Amen, guys. And I want, I want to start off by, by, by just saying that each and every one of you, each and every one of us are world changers. We have a cultural expression here at, at, at Res Life is that every person is a world changer and that there's greatness inside of each one of us and that there's a purpose that God has placed in, in your and my life and nobody is an accident. Your parents may have not planned us or planned you, but you are not an accident to God. He knew that you were coming and that you'd be here in 2019, and he was super, super stoked about you. And tonight, I want to talk and start a two-week series on purpose, on purpose, and having, living a life on, on mission and having fulfillment not just in of ourselves, but actually within our, our relationship with God. And so how I want to start tonight is actually introduce you to a, a woman who, who, who lived in the, in the mid-1900s. Her, uh, her name is, is Betty Naismith Graham. I have a picture of her. This is Betty. Everyone say, hey, Betty. Hey, Betty. <laughs> that was weird. And uh, so, so Betty was a like I said, she, was, she lived in the, in the, in the mid-1900s, in, and uh, Betty actually, her husband divorced her uh, when she was in her young to mid-30s. She had a family, and, and so in order to, as a single mom, she had to provide for herself, so she started working for a bank, and she worked her way up at this bank, and she eventually become a, became a secretary, and in that time, she was a typewriter. That's one of her main jobs, but she was very, she was very good with interviews, Betty was. She's really good with interviews, but she actually didn't have practical skill in being a secretary, like typing. And so what she found was that she actually made tons of mistakes. She made tons of mistakes when she was typing. And it was getting to a point where, to where she was going to lose her job if she didn't learn how to get better. So, but she realized that she actually wasn't good at typing. So instead of, instead of actually trying to do something that she didn't know how to do, she had an idea that if she could create actually a solution that could white out her mistakes and then type over it, she'd be, actually, she'd be able to keep her job. So she went home, she was a painter by, by, by hobby, and she went home and she created a solution that would actually dry quickly, a white solution that she could white over a mistake. And she took it back to her office and she just used it herself and, and soon everyone in her office, all the secretaries came to her and were like, let me use this, let me use this. And, and, and she she called it just mistake out, mistake out. And, and, and Betty realized that, whoa, I, I might be onto something here with the electronic typewriter coming out and, and she saw an opportunity. She was an entrepreneur, had that mindset. And so she started producing more and more and started selling it on top of being a, a secretary. And it, it became so well known that she actually, she actually quit her job at the bank and she started to, she started to mass produce, mistake out, until eventually she was making her company 10,000 bottles a day in, 1950, in the 1950s. And then in 1971, Betty sold her company for $47 million. In 19, let me see, yeah, 1975. $47 million. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back to Betty's story because I think it, it proves a really good point in, in talking about purpose. It proves a good point with whiteout. We'll come back to it. So, but as we talk about purpose, I'm going to start off by really just sharing. These are, not, these are related but kind of unrelated things to purpose, and I felt like I just wanted to share some quick things before we dive into like the, 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 the deeper parts of purpose. And just These are my quick thoughts about purpose, about us living on purpose and having fulfillment in our lives. So these are my quick thoughts. God has designed everyone to be great. God has designed everyone to be great. Next quick thought. Greatness is not about how many people serve you, but how many people you serve. This is a quote from Pastor Duane. So don't limit your definition of greatness. Don't, don't, don't put it in a box, because true biblical greatness is, 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 the, is, the, is the life of Christ, which is the servant. So the next, next thought, not everyone is a leader, is the leader, but everyone is called to lead. So not like, here, in fact, like not everyone's going to be David. Like, not everyone's going to be Joseph, not everyone's going to be Peter, not everyone's going to be Paul, not everyone's going to be Rahab, not everyone's going to be the, the, the CEO, not everyone's going to be the leader, not, like, not everyone's going to be a leader, but you're still called to lead. As followers of Jesus, he flipped the script and he said, you no longer have to have a position to have influence in God's world, but you can actually be a servant and lead. You can actually be a slave and lead. You can actually be an employee and have influence. You can actually be a student and have tremendous influence because God does not only use people in authority. He uses anyone who's available. So that's a quick thought. My, la- my last thought, just on quick thoughts on, on purpose, is our past doesn't determine our future. Past doesn't determine our future. So I just have a question um, just for you to reflect on as we, as we think about purpose for our lives and, and, and what we're called to do or what our future is, what our dream is, what is the reason that we're alive and what are we supposed to do? What is God's plan for your life? Do you, do you know? Imagine with me 20 years down the line, 20 years what does that look like for you? 30 years down the line, what does that look for you? 40 years down the line, what does that, does that cause you anxiety? Is that, is that, like what does that do to you when you think ahead? What is God's plan for your life? What did God put you on the planet for? What did he put you on this planet for? Because remember, we're not mistakes. Psalm 139 says, he formed you in your mother's womb. Before the foundation of the earth, he knew that you were coming. God's all-knowing. What does that look like in your mind? What are you picturing? Are you picturing a family? A job? Are you picturing a house? Are you picturing a stage or a microphone? Are you picturing a standard of living? Are you picturing a marriage? Are you picturing a, a salary? Are you, what are you picturing when you think about the plan for your life? Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So I'm going to break that down and leave it up on the screen. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Another translation says, masterpiece. What this tells us, what this passage tells us, is that each and every one of us are extremely significant to God. And that no matter what the quirks of your life, no matter if you were public school, homeschooled, Christian school, dropout, whatever you were, your life is significant to God. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So you're significant, I'm significant, but this also tells me that we have something to do. To do good works. Sometimes, sometimes we can get this point where it's like God loves us and we don't do anything, but, but God actually created us to do. He didn't create us to work to earn, but he actually created us to work and to act and to move and have influence in the earth. And the last part, which God prepared in advance for us to do, this tells us that we are significant, but we are also unique. That we, as the body of Christ, we as as, as humanity following Jesus, that we actually play a part that only we can do. And so that it's extremely important that that we are are purposeful with our lives and we are obedient and, and available in our lives because God has placed you and I on this planet for a specific reason to do something very specific that only you and I can do. And it's extremely inviting. It's extremely inviting and encouraging that God has a specific... Now, now there's... We'll talk about the specifics because then some people get anxious and they're like, oh my gosh, what if I mess it up? Like, what if I mess it up? Listen, we're going to talk about that tonight because you can't. You're not that powerful. So what about, the title of my message is, what about my dream? What about my dream? And we're going we're gonna to go through the life of Joseph, who's, who's a man in the Bible that's found in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis. And we're going we're gonna to walk through his life really quickly. Like, his life is crazy. Like, this dude's life is like, what? Like, read it. Like, some of you grew up in church, and, and you know the story of Joseph. And so you're like, yeah, I know that story. But when you think about it, like, imagine you being there. It's like, that's wild. And if you've never, if you didn't grow up in church, and you don't know the story of Joseph, just, like, hang on. You're going to hear this dude's life. It is amazing. It is, it is so cool, and so my question, my, my statement about what about my dream is this. My first point is the purpose for your and my life is like a seed. So the purpose of our lives is not actually a place. It's not a destination. It's actually a seed. So many people get worked up about, I don't know what my purpose is, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, is because they feel like they're not going to get to their destination. But when we think about the fact that the reason we're on this earth is to develop the seed, it's much more comforting. So the purpose for your and my life is like a seed. Say, like a seed. So we're going we're gonna to go through the story of Joseph. I'm going to first read Romans 15, 4. So the, the, the Bible's broken up into two parts. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament 
is the, is the story of this people of Israel, God's people, and it really shows their brokenness, their rebellion, their need for somebody to be to per- perfect and to really save them from themselves. And then the New Testament starts with the person, Jesus, who remedies the brokenness of the Israelites and the people that, that lived on the earth, and it provides a way for the people of God to connect with God. This man, Jesus, in the New Testament is, is a collection of letters and different, and different books that, that express how we're supposed to live as, since Christ has died and risen again. And so Romans 15.4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So everything in the Old Testament was written to teach us. So that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So the point is, is that the story of Joseph, there's some key elements that we can learn from. So I'm going to read from first from Genesis 37 if you want to follow along, but I am going to be hopping through Genesis. So, so if you're going to follow, like get ready. So the first part of Joseph's story is I want to just describe that Joseph was one of 12 sons. Joseph had 11 brothers, and Joseph was the second youngest, but Joseph was actually the favorite of his father. So Joseph was the favorite of his father. And one time, one day, Joseph had a dream. This is Genesis 37, 5 through 11. It's not going to be on the screen. You can, you can listen. Joseph had a dream, and when he told, his brothers, uh, told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to, he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now imagine if you have little brothers, if they had a dream about them, you bowing down to them, you'd probably beat the crap out of them. That's what I would have done. Sorry, Jared. So his brothers, verse 8, said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. I mean, this dude is cocky. Like, this dude is arrogant, like, right? Then he, uh, he said, Listen, I had another dream, and this, this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. <laughs> When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is your dream, what is the dream you had, or what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So here's the first part of purpose. Your and my purpose is not dependent on whether we realize our purpose. And our purpose can take the form of a lot of different things. So, so <laughs> not many of us have had dreams about our purpose and what our life, how our life is going to play out. If God has done that for you, bravo, I guess. <laughs> you special one. And, uh, but most of us, are, the purpose for our lives is actually intertwined in our gifts. It's our talents. It's actually, it can be related to where we actually were born. It can be related to, to, to different people that we've met. And, and these desires and these gifts are a sneak peek into what God has actually created us to do. Maybe you're, you're really skilled in science. Maybe you're really skilled in math. Maybe you're really skilled in video games, Fortnite. Um, 
hey, now, now's the time. We used to make fun of it as kids. Like, yeah, you can't make money playing Fortnite. And now you got guys that are like making millions of dollars. Any, any, anyone stream here, Fortnite? Stream, stream Fortnite? We, uh, this, uh, so, quick side note, quick side note. We have a kid in our youth group. He's in uh, 11th grade. He's the, n- Gabe, what number is he? How good is he? He's better than Gabe. I, I just don't want to make up a stat. I heard he, he was just, he, I don't want to make up a stat. He's amazing. He's like top 1,000, I don't know, in Fortnite. Anyway, he's just really good. And he's making like money. He made like $2,000 last month playing Fortnite. So as a, as a 17-year-old, so what are you doing with your life? I'm kidding. Don't play video games. <laughs> So, so a lot of our purpose is wrapped up in our, in our uh, talents and abilities. So a math, science, maybe, maybe you're a creative thinker, maybe you're in the arts, maybe, maybe you're a problem solver. I don't know what your gifts are, but that usually is how God wraps up our purpose in what he's created us and, and gifted us to do. God doesn't want you to do something that you suck at. Like, yes, he's strong when we're weak, but he also created you so that you would have great influence in the earth. And... Uh, and so what we see with Joseph is that his purpose, <laughs> Joseph thought that because he got a picture, he knew his purpose. He got a picture of, of the future, and he interpreted that, and he decided that he knew what that meant. And so in our purpose, it's really key as a young person that we don't get ahead of ourselves and start to create unhealthy and unrealistic expectations of ourselves that we feel we have to meet. Especially with culture, guys, like college and like degrees and like you're at 19 and it's like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? You're like, oh no, I've had 18 years of life. I should have this figured out. It's like, no, you don't have to. Like, you don't have to have it figured out. And so like, and so what we see is Joseph was, was prideful in the sense that he actually thought that he knew the future. See, when God gives you a glimpse, he's not, he's not telling you what it's going to look like. He's telling you so that you can trust him. So Joseph tells his brothers, and his brothers get really angry, really angry. So I wanted to tell you a quick side note of my story. So um, when I was in high school, I, I, loved, I loved like kids and, and good kids, so I was going to go to school to actually be a teacher. And so I went to Grace Bible, and then I co-opted with Cornerstone. I got my elementary ed- education degree, and I, and I remember I, I, was, I was in a po- moment where I actually I encountered the Lord so real, like in such a real way, and in my life was like, I was like, yes, I am going to like rock, uh, change the world for Christ and, and for his kingdom, and so I was going to do it through teaching in schools, and so I, I was dreaming with God, and I felt like he gave me a picture of like becoming, I was going to be a teacher, and then I wanted to be a superintendent of, of seeing a, a super, like an entire school district come to know Christ, And so I was like, yes, a whole school district coming to know Christ. I was like, yes, I'm going to be, it's going to be superintendent, right? Like that's how I'm going to get there. And so I start mapping out my life and what it's going to look like for me to have influence. But then God does something and he pulls me out of that and he puts me in a young adult ministry. And I'm like, well, I must not be going to impact schools. And then a year and a half later, he, he drops me into leading the young adult and youth ministry. So now I work with high schoolers, and we have nine different school impact groups that pray for their schools every single week. And we have, 
And that's just the beginning. Like that's, that is, that's not even just, that's not the vision that God's given me. He's given me a vision of entire public school districts worshiping and serving Jesus. He's given me a picture of school districts and the whole separation of church and state being eradicated because students are on fire and they can't deny it. So that's the vision I have. And so what I, what I saw myself doing was placing a label or a path that I had to reach in order to fulfill what I felt God called me to do. And it's actually the opposite. He says, listen, I'm going to give you the dream, but now I'm going to ask you to trust me in the process. And I'm going to ask you to have an open mind of how I want you to get there. This is hard because some of us are control freaks. <laughs> like, control freaks. We're like, God, if you could give me like a 12-step plan, like, to my future purpose. God doesn't work that way. God does not work that way. So the seed, the next point is the seed of your purpose is in the season. The seed of your purpose is in the season you're in currently. And, and I'll just make this observation uh, that the next stage of a seed is not fruit. It's actually Roots. And an observation I, I know about roots is that roots are unseen. Roots are not linear. <laughs> They're not a three-step process. Sometimes roots go down, roots go down sometimes roots grow, roots grow out. And oftentimes, roots take a pretty long time to actually form. So the next stage of the seed in your life for purpose is in the season. It's actually developing roots right now. So let's, let's go through the, continue the story of Joseph. So Joseph gets this dream. His brothers, I'm going to, like, this is going to be fire hose time. Ready? Are you ready for this? So Joseph, Joseph, like, his brothers hate him, so they actually sell him into slavery, okay? Like, you think your family's bad. Um, like, like, they sold him into slavery, and he got sold to a man named Potiphar, who is an influential person in, in Egypt, and he was a slave to Potiphar, and then he, he, he became so influential that, that he became the head of Potiphar's household. And I want to read a passage here in Genesis 39.2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. God is in the season that you're in. <laughs> Joseph's 12-step plan to having his brothers bow down to him, I guarantee did not include him being sold as a slave. But did you notice that it says God was still with him? You may be in a season right now that you are not planning on being in. Did you know that God's still with you? Did you know that even though you may be walking through a valley of death, that the favor of the Lord still shines on you? Do you know that even though you may be a slave to something, that God's favor is still at, at your hand's reach? And that he's not more distant than when you're on the mountaintop than when you're on the valley? Because he's Lord of them both. And so he goes to this Potiphar. He's so influential. He's so present. And he's so intentional about being successful that he ra- he's not a complainer. He actually raises the influence. 
And then after he's at Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife is like, mm, Joseph's sexy. He's got like a six-pack. Like, this really happened. Like, Potiphar's wife starts hitting on Joseph. So, the, so the, his boss's wife is like, come sleep with me. And this is what Joseph says. Interesting that the moments that we get success are the moments of great temptation. Your next success will be accompanied by greater temptation. It's not to be afraid. It's just to be, you need to know that. And we need to create the boundaries. That was our last series on, on, on dating and stuff. Like, we need to have boundaries. This is what Joseph says. Genesis 39.9. So Potiphar's wife says, come sleep with me. Joseph says, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Most of us will be like, I'm not going to sleep with my boss's wife because I'm going to get fired. Joseph's like, I'm not going to sleep with my boss's wife because I'm not going to sin against God. So now we're starting to see that even though Joseph had a, had a turn of unlucky events, he still, he still was cooperating in being personal with God. Potiphar's wife <laughs> lures him into the bedroom, grabs his cloak, pulls it off. He's naked. <laughs> he runs away. Potiphar's wife lies. <laughs> Potiphar's wife lies and says that he tried to rape her. Joseph goes to prison. Man, this guy can't catch a break. So he goes to prison. Listen to this, Genesis 39, 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, <laughs> the Lord was with him. No matter where we go, there he is. The biggest lie is that God is not in your moment. God is there. So he's in the prison guard and he, gained, he gains influence in prison. Now he's head of the prison guard. Meaning that he's like growing an influence. Listen, stop making excuses with where you're at and start getting to work. Stop making excuses that your boss is a jerk and start serving your boss and making him look good. My boss is a jerk. No. Well, wait, if he is, so what? Make him look good. That's what the Bible tells us to do is to be influencers, not to take charge, but to be a servant. My job just sucks. I just can't stand my job. God, when are you going to give me a better job? God, like I have all these dreams to be, a, I have all these dreams to be an entrepreneur. To own my own business. To be like a CEO or something. God, how am I going to get there? <laughs> listen, listen. Take a note from Joseph. Take a note from Joseph. That even when you're in prison, you're the best prison guard you've ever seen. Even when you look at, work at Little Caesars, you're the best Little Caesars employee the world's ever seen. Even when you work at Applebee's, even when you work at Big B, even wherever you work, we need to be the best employees the world has ever seen. The world is not impressed with your theology. They are impressed by those lives that are reflecting the glory and the power of God. They don't care what you believe. If you're complaining, you're like them. What makes you any different? 
All it shows is that we love our lives more than we love to glorify him. And God says, lay down your life and be a servant to all men. Do you know what the Bible says? That if you're a slave, so the Bible's like, listen, if you're a slave, like none of, I, I hope none of y'all are slaves. The Bible says you better serve your master. And if he mistreats you, you bless him. Now, if you're being mistreated, you can't go to HR, okay? You can't go, like, if you're being mistreated, go to HR. <laughs> but it's this, this complaining that we do, and it's not right. Be the best person in your job, in your work environment. God, that's God's will for your life. That's God's purpose for your life and my life. So these dudes, these guys, prisoners, have these dreams, right? This cupbearer and this other servant of the king, of the pharaoh, and they come in, they have these dreams, and, and they're telling Joseph, they're like, we have these dreams, we don't, they don't, we don't know what they mean. And Joseph interprets the dream. The gifts of your childhood are connected to your purpose. Listen, Joseph had a dream when he was a child. Later on in his life, God used that same gift to serve other people. So he interprets a dream, like, these dreams are kind of morbid. Like, one of, like one of the dreams, he's like, hey, yo, yep, you're going to go to the Pharaoh, and he's going to kill you. And that happened. The other one's like, hey, you're going to go to the Pharaoh, and he's going to restore you to your old position. And that happened. And so Joseph told this one dude, listen, when you get before the Pharaoh, tell him I'm in here. The dude forgets. Spends two more years in jail. I'd be like, God, what the... What is going on? I serve this dude, turns his back on me. Do the right thing, she lies about me. When am I going to catch a break? <laughs> That's not what Joseph does. It says he's continued to serve the prison guard. Man. Man. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And the servant of Pharaoh is like, I know this guy. <laughs> it's this Hebrew dude who lives like in prison. And the Pharaoh's like, wait, he did this for you and you didn't help him get him out? He's like, yeah, I totally forgot about him. Like, <laughs> so he's, he can come interpret your dreams. So he comes. So now Joseph goes from the prison to the palace overnight. And the Pharaoh goes to him and says, this is my dream. And it was about these cows that were fat or skinny cow or fat cows and then the skinny cows come and they eat the fat cows and it's kind of a weird dream and Joseph interprets it for the Pharaoh and this is what he says Genesis 41 16 I cannot do it Joseph replied to Pharaoh but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires It's personal. Some of us can say, well, yeah, he had, he, he, you know, Joseph had practice. See, Joseph never underestimated the power of God's nearness to him. And Joseph had the dream of his brothers bowing down at 16. And this didn't happen 
where he goes to Pharaoh until he was 30, 31. 15 years. So Joseph's prediction happens and Pharaoh hires him. He becomes the most influential person in the entire country of Egypt. This is amazing. Overnight. So he predicted a, fam- or a, a year of, uh, seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. During the years of famine, Joseph's family comes from a different country into Egypt and they come before Joseph. And they don't recognize Joseph and they bow down to him. And they say, will you help us? And long story short, Joseph reveals himself. It's like amazing reunion. Joseph forgives them for selling them into slavery. And here's what I know. The seasons of our purpose and of our life are designed for us to get personal with God. You see, Joseph knew God as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But in order for God to do what he wanted to do in Joseph's life, he needed Joseph to know God as his God. Some of us have grown up with our parents' faith. We've grown up with our siblings' faith. We've grown up with our church's faith. And God is taking you through a season for you to own your own faith. It needs to get personal. Joseph needed the character. Joseph needed... Joseph needed the experience. He needed the history with God that he did not have when he was 16. He needed this trust and closeness with God that he would not have if he didn't go through trials. That he would not have had if he didn't go to prison. God was building history with Joseph. Yes, he was giving him experience. Yes, he was preparing him strategically. But the purpose that God created Joseph for could not be accomplished without the history. Here's what I know. Colossians 3.3. This is like one of my favorite passages in scripture. I know I say that all the time because it's all good. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. (laughs) Okay, think about that. You think you know what your life is about. You think you know you. May I suggest that you don't even know you. May I suggest that your true you is hidden in the person of Jesus, and you and I will never become fully alive until we dive into this personal connection and relationship with the God of love. The seed of your purpose is in the season that you're in. The roots of your purpose are being built right now as you speak. Even in the midst of the hell you're going through. Even in the midst of the success. You're engaged. You're getting married. you got a girlfriend. you got a boyfriend. you got a new job. You graduated college. You're back from your freshman year of college. And you're like, life's amazing. High school sucked. Yes, for being an adult. Wherever you're at, your life is hidden with Christ and God. And God, this is so good, God is developing us, not our dreams. God is developing you, not what you think your dreams are. 
He's, he wants to develop the character, the history, the trust, the obedience, the, the confidence. He wants to develop that in you. And when you become fully alive with who God's created you to be, that's when your purpose comes. It's not in the destination. God will use every season of our lives just like he uses, used Betty's. Remember Betty? Divorced, working at a bank as a secretary. I know it's a, it can seem like a silly example, but I think it proves the point that no matter where you're at, it's an opportunity. Where's the whiteout in your story? <laughs> right now, where's that whiteout? Where's that idea? Where's that perspective that God's showing you? And we cannot reach our purpose without getting personal. He's in our season right now. The seed of our purpose is planted right now. You don't, God's not waiting to give you a purpose. You already have one. He's not waiting to deposit in you. It's in you. Some of us need to just start moving. Some of us are like, no, I need to know my purpose before I start moving. No, start moving. Start moving, start going where you think you need to go, and God will show you along the way. Because if you have it all figured out, you don't need God. And that's what he wants. Like He wants you and him to be like tight. Here's some questions to ask yourself as we, as we, as we end here. Have I been more concerned with my plan than I am with God's plan? Or have I been more concerned with my dream than I am with God's purpose. Question to ask yourself. Next question is, God, what are you showing me in this season? Whatever season you're in, God is waiting to reveal to us something that's incredibly transformational. God, what are you showing me in this season? The last question is, how can I be more present with what God is doing in this season? How can I be more present with what God is doing? Let's pray. If you just keep your eyes closed for a second, I'm going to tell a little bit of the story, a little story here. So, so in the beginning of time, God created Adam and Eve. He created a the first people. And these, these people, Adam and Eve, it says that they actually were given power and authority. And it says they walked in the cool of the day with God. Imagine what it would be like the God of love, the God of peace, the God of joy, walking with you every single day, next to you. That's what Adam and Eve lived with. Not only that, but they were given tremendous purpose that they were to go into all the earth and explore. And to, what, what it says is, is take dominion over the entire earth. See, it wasn't just about being with God. It was being with God and moving with God and growing with God. And then one day, Adam and Eve chose, chose self-knowledge self-reliance over connection with God. 
And they lost in that moment all influence over the earth. They lost their purpose. They no longer walked with God in the cool of the day. They no longer had the connection with the God of love, peace, joy, and comfort. They were completely alone, reliant on themselves. And the truth is, without our connection to God, it is impossible to live with purpose. We get stuck relying on other people, on jobs, on status, on money, on sex, to find purpose in our life. And the only way to truly have purpose is through having a personal relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve did in the beginning. And God is inviting you and I to live with him every day, where he will be with us, where he will see us, we will see him, and we will know him. Tonight, for those who are not right with God, this is for you. Our selfishness, our self-reliance is the thing keeping us from God. It is our knowledge, it is our pride, it is our thinking we can control things. And that very thing is the thing that is keeping us from God's purpose. It is keeping us stuck in the cycle of brokenness. God cannot have true connection with those who have not recognized the brokenness and the cycle of self-reliance. He invites anyone, he invites anyone who will believe in what Jesus did for them to reconnect with his children. God could not stand being disconnected from his children. And so he sent Jesus. He sent his one and only son to be broken. He sent his only son to reveal what it would look like for mankind to connect with God again. And in a selfless act, he, he actually gave up his life as a substitute for our broken, selfish lives. And then on the third day, he rose again. And when Jesus rose again, it says he conquered death. It says that everything that disconnected us from God was now erased for anyone who would trust and believe in the message of Jesus. And the invitation for anyone who's listening tonight is to establish the connection with God through Jesus. Here's what it takes, though. It takes admitting that doing things our own way, being a self-perfectionist, being controlling our own lives and our own destiny and our own eternity is never going to save us. Doing enough good will never save us. Being a good enough person will never save us but only trusting and believing in Christ. Believing in Jesus and his love for you. If, that's, if you resonated with that message and you are not right with God tonight, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And by raising your hand, all you're saying is, I am done being self-reliant. I am done and I trust Jesus and I trust God with my life and my eternity. And when you raise your hand, God assures you that 
anyone who calls on the name of God, on the name of Jesus, will be saved. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. One, two, three. Raise it up. Praise God. I see you. You can put your hands down. God sees you. God loves you. And as soon as we put our trust in our heart, make that decision, all of our mistakes, all of our sin is, is forgotten and forgiven. So would everyone just pray with me this prayer? Everyone say it out loud. Say, Father, thank you for sending Jesus to this earth to live and to die for my brokenness so I could have true connection with the God of love again. God, would you walk with me for the rest of my life? Would you open the eyes of my heart to see how close you really are? And today, I trust you with my whole life and I choose to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give it up for those guys. Praise the Lord. Listen, if you made that decision, please, please, please talk to someone.